Welcome to our Deep Rooted Podcast, a weekly podcast featuring our latest live Bible study, as well as other encouraging messages and teachings from our hearts to yours. Good to see some new faces in here. Feels like we're seeing new faces every single week so far. So praise God. Praise God. I know we have some people watching online who can't come um, and they're, they're, they're trying to get down here. So get down here. If you're trying to come down and you're watching online, come down. The Lord's doing amazing things here. Well, hey, if you're new, I would like to welcome you. My name is Matthew and that was my wife, Stephanie, and that was my father, Ramsey. And uh, we're basically a family ministry here. We run this thing with family, and um, we're blessed because not many people can do that. Not many people have family that is this close to each other. Amen? So we're blessed, and we believe that you're blessed when you walk foot, walk your feet into this room, to this building. You are blessed, and we declare it in Jesus' name. Um, if you are new, though, we'd like to stay in touch with you. Uh, if you want to fill out a Connect card at the table in the front, you can go ahead and do that so we can get to know who you are. We can send you some really cool information that's happening here in the ministry. Um, and we'd love to give you a free gift. So if you have come, if you're not new anymore, but you were new at one time, we'd love to give you one of these books. I, I wrote this. It's called, Is God Out to Get Me? Discovering the Truth About God's Nature Get this book in your hands. It is a great book. Um, I wrote this in the middle of COVID. And uh, God really spoke to me about this saying, you know, Matthew, a lot of people, a lot of people have misunderstood me. And he, he was telling me that people don't realize who he is because they've been taught wrong. They've been taught traditionally and the Bible says that the traditions of men make the word of God to none effect. What does that mean? That means when you, when you hear something because of tradition, what does tra tradition say? Tradition, well, it goes to the Old Testament. Tradition goes to the Old Testament and it says, well, you know, Job, he was a blessed man, but then all of a sudden God tested him. That's tradition. And traditions of men make God's word to none effect. And so if you believe traditional things, if you believe just things that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and there's no truth in it, it's just tradition, it makes God's word to none effect. And so I believe that this book helps unlock a lot of people's understanding of who God really is, who God really is at the center of his being. And so if you're new, we'd love to give you this book completely free. We don't charge you for it. If you'd like to purchase it, though, they're also available for sale. If you want to make a donation to the ministry, that would help us greatly. All right. Let's get into the word this morning. Who heard about our water drive that we were doing? Let me see your hands. Water drive. Well, praise the Lord. We finished that last week. We got, we're done with all that stuff. We delivered the waters to uh, the organization we were giving them to. Guess how many waters we were able to donate just off of our ministry? 500 waters and more. Praise the Lord. That's good stuff right there. That is good stuff. We want to thank everyone who donated water packs and contributed to the ministry. We really, it's going to bless a lot of people. 
a lot of people who need water. You know, you don't even think sometimes that living here, people need water. You don't think that, though, because you have water at your disposal. I have water right here. We have some in the fridge. But there are people who still need water, even in Tulare County. In Tulare County, in Kings County, Fresno County, all of the counties, people need water still. And so you guys made that possible. A lot of people are going to be blessed. And not only that, but all of the waters that we uh, gave had our own labels on them. Amen. So now people are going to see Deep Rooted Ministries as they get water. They're going to be blessed and they're going to know who it came from. And they might come here. They might say, hey, you guys give me water. I'm new here. And they might stay. Who knows? But that's because everyone who gave. So thank you guys so much for giving. You guys are honestly so generous. And the Lord sees your generosity. Can you close the front door? All right. Who has a heart that is ready to receive the word this morning? Amen. I'm going to start off in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. These are the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ himself. You know, these are probably one of my most favorite portions of Scripture, the Beatitudes, because all he's talking about is blessed. Blessed are you who do this. Blessed are you who is this. Blessed are you if you do that. Blessed are you if you do that. This is the key right here to walk in your blessings that God's already provided you. Get this into your heart. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, I want to focus on this one portion of the Beatitudes. And Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, who's ever seen God? I haven't. Have you? If you have, share your testimony. I don't think there's a person who will ever see God because his glory is so powerful. We would all just be dead. That's how beautiful he is. So what was Jesus talking about? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I believe there's a lot of ways you can dissect this. And one of the ways is defining what the heart is. What is your heart? What does it mean to be pure in heart? A lot of times the, the Bible is, is referring to heart as the spirit, your, your spirit inside of you. And if we're going off of that, well, then we're all pure in heart. Amen? Because God has given us a new spirit. But there's another time where heart is referring to the combination of your spirit and your soul. Your spirit and your soul. Your will, your emotions, how you are. We talked about this last week, right? Your will, your emotions, what you want to do in life, that's your soul. And so when he's, when he's talking about the heart, it's a mixture of your soul and your spirit. So blessed are you when you're pure in heart, when you're pure in your soul, then you will see God. How many times have you been going through life and it just seems like God is just 
somewhere else. Just feels like God's back in Jerusalem and you're over here and there's no communication. There's, there's no contact. Just feels like he's gone. Anyone ever felt that before? You can be honest. I believe this happens because of the position of our hearts. The position of our hearts. When you're not focused on the Lord, when you're not magnifying the Lord, when you're not following him with all of your heart, trusting in him with all of your heart, it's going to feel like God's way over there. But the Bible says he's in us and he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. So he's never gone. Whether you feel like it or not, God will never leave you. And the reason why we don't feel like he's with us is because we're blinded. We're blinded by our emotions. We're blinded. So this morning, I want to talk to you guys about this exact message entitled, Blinded. Blinded, blinded, blinded. Who wants to see God more clearly in their life? Amen? That should be every single hand up here. If you want to see God more clearly in your life, if you want to see him in every circumstance, if you want to see him, how he moves, how he, how he makes things happen, how he, he purposely does things in your life for the better, if you want to see him in every aspect, you've got to be pure in heart. You've got to be pure in heart. You see, God is always working. He is always moving. He is always leading you. He is always guiding you. He was, he's always doing things so that your life can be better. So your life can be fulfilled. Amen? But like I said, when your attention is off of him and it's on something else, it's going to be difficult to see him. It's going to be difficult to see all the things he's doing in your life because you're distracted by many things. You're distracted by life. You're distracted by politics. You're distracted by whatever it is. It's going to be hard to see him. All the women can just stop listening to me, but multitasking is not a thing. I don't care who you are. It is not God's design for a human to multitask. We were created to focus on one thing and one thing only at a time. But women are just so good at multitasking, it's like, that's gone. But really, we're not built to multitask. Ask all the husbands. We're not built to do two things at once. You start doing one thing, and, and you get distracted. You do another thing, you get distracted, and then you don't get anything done by the end of the day. Because, right? <laughs> I said once, a couple weeks ago, you want to destroy a man's vision, give him two. Give him two visions. <laughs> you can't do two things at once. And all the women said, Amen. Amen. God has mercy on us, so that's all we need. But it's really hard to do things when, you're, when your focus isn't completely there. Amen? And I feel that's how we do life. We, we multitask our life, and we, compart, we compartmentalize everything, including God, including Jesus. We say, okay, let me just get my prayer time on in the morning. I got an hour. I filled up with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's go to work and never focus on him again until tomorrow morning. 
we go to church. Oh, Lord, sing these praises and get all emotional and start crying and get goosebumps and hear a great word. Preach it, pastor. Amen. But then Monday morning comes, I got to go to work. You just forget that God gives you the power to get wealth and you're complaining about it. You see, we compartmentalize all those things and, and we treat God like a task and we multitask him into our life instead of being fully devoted and fully focused on him. And therefore, we're not seeing him clearly. We have questions. Lord, why is this happening in my life? How come, why, why, why did I go through this? Why, how come you're not doing what I've asked you to do? You see, the Bible says that we have an unction from the Lord and we know all things. We know all things. So we shouldn't be questioning things of the Lord. We should be so in tune with him that we know why he's doing what he's doing. Even if we don't know the clear picture, the clear details, we at least know the direction of what he's doing. The clear goal of what he's doing. But a lot of people don't see it. A lot of people are still questioning, God, if you're real, then why did this happen? Even as Christians, there's a lot of Christians who still struggle with God. If you're such a good God, if you're such a holy God, why did you let me go through this? Why did you allow me to go through this? And they question his character because they don't see him clearly. But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Many times in our hearts, where we have our emotions. Our emotions are controlling our life. Amen? A lot of times, we do things because of emotions. We don't do things because of emotions. But if you were to ask yourself, how much of my life is controlled by emotions versus how much is controlled by God's word? You'd be surprised you'd be surprised. Because even though you might think, oh man, I feel good about this situation. I feel good about making this investment. I feel good about moving over here. I feel good about this. What does God say? Do you just feel good? Or does God's word agree with what you're feeling, with what you're doing? You see, we can't ignore our emotions. The Bible says that we are spirit, soul, and body. If we just ignore emotions, we're just throwing our soul out the window and we're living two-part lives and we're made to be three. So we can't ignore emotions. We need our emotions. God gave our emotions to us. He planted them inside of us. But we have to understand how to use our emotions for our advantage, how to live uh, our life with emotions, but not by emotions. Amen? Our emotions should not control us. We have control over them. Amen? And that might sound hard. That might sound, well, <laughs> how? how? How can I control what I feel? How? One of the hardest things that you could do is control your emotions. The hardest thing. Why? Because ever since birth, they've been telling you what to do. 
Ever since you came into this world, your emotions have been controlling every aspect of your life. Your body tells you when it's hungry. Your body tells you when it's full. Your body tells you when it's not feeling well. Your emotions tell you when you're sad. Your emotions tell you when you're offended by somebody. Your emotions have been controlling you for far too long. And now you got to take control. And let me tell you, it's impossible to do this without Jesus. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Paul wrote the famous scripture that probably every single person gets tattooed or on their car or on their sports jerseys. What? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And to realize that scripture in its context, Paul was in prison. Paul was being persecuted. Paul was going through, through basically hell on earth. He was going through way worse than what we would ever face. And he writes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if we understand that, that Paul was referring to him being able to be joyful in this time, him being able to have abundant life in prison, he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We can control our emotions, even if they've been controlling us for our entire life. We can do it now. It's never too late. We can do all things. Amen? I want you to look at your emotions as like a prison. You've been trapped in them for so long. They've been telling you how to live. You've been trapped. But just like Paul, you can do all things. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. I am going to pick on somebody in Scripture for a while. And his name is good old Pete. Peter, the disciple. I love Peter because I see myself in him or I see him in me, whatever. I love the, the disciple Peter, though, because you can just see all throughout the scriptures his willingness for the Lord, but his stubbornness. You can see how he had a hard head. He had a willing heart, but he had strong emotions, very strong emotions. We've been, like I said last week, we've been watching The Passion. Oh no, what is it called? The Chosen. The Passion's another movie. We've been watching The Chosen. Oh man, I love that show. Love it. I got to thank Mary back there for encouraging us to watch it. It's so good. And the, um, the show really does a great job um, illustrating Peter and demonstrating his character through, through the show because he is so emotional, so emotional. Everything he does is driven by emotions. And that's certainly true in, in the scriptures. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus just did amazing miracles. A few chapters earlier, he fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish, right? He fed them, and then uh, <laughs> the disciples are so funny sometimes. And then later, he heals a bunch of people. He, there's a multitude of people following him, and he heals them, and they were all 
healed. What a miracle. And after he does that, then he feeds 4,000 more people. I'm sure you probably haven't heard of that one, huh? Feeding of the 4,000. Has everyone heard of the 5,000? How about the 4,000? Yeah, he fed 4,000 people after 5,000. Basically, did the same thing. They didn't have a lot of food. He got what they had and he blessed it and he distributed it and everyone was filled. And it's just so funny because then the Pharisees came and the Sadducees came and they're seeking for signs. They're saying, do this for us, do this and that and you'll prove to us that you're God. And Jesus says, what's a sign going to do for you guys? You guys, it doesn't matter what I do, you're never going to believe me. And so he's telling him all these things. And after he's done with the Pharisees, he tells his disciples, he says, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the disciples are like, what is he saying? And then one of the disciples go, oh, it's probably because we forgot to pack the bread from the 4,000. They're thinking about actual bread. And Jesus is like, no, duh, it's not about bread. It's about their bad doctrine their bad doctrine. And so he's telling them all these great, great things. And then it gets to verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the son of man, Then they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, others say you're the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And here comes Peter. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He had a revelation. Oh, a beautiful revelation on who Jesus was. And then Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Blessed are you, Peter. Blessed are you, for God has revealed this to you. He was pure in heart. He was able to listen and see who Jesus clearly was. Amen? So God reveals this to him, and he has this great epiphany, this great revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus then says after that, he says, I also say to you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A lot of people say that the church is built from Peter. No. The church was built from Peter's revelation of who Jesus was. You see, we have to have a revelation of who Jesus is. We got to see him clearly. We have to. Great for Peter, right? He gets this amazing epiphany, a great revelation. Jesus himself blesses him. Blessed are you, Peter. You're blessed. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church because of you, Peter. And then Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail. And I have given you 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded disciples that he should tell no one that he was Jesus. Oh man, Peter just got the greatest gift ever. The keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom. But wait, there's more. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter, oh, I just got this revelation. I got, I got, to, I got to speak up now. I got to tell Jesus what I'm thinking. Then Peter took him aside and said, he rebuked him, whoa, and said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Can you imagine the emotions that he's going through? He just had this revelation. You're, you're Jesus. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. Blessed are you, Peter. And he has the boldness to rebuke Jesus after that. You can see clearly in, his, in this scripture, his emotions were soaring out of the room, in the sky. Strong emotions. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What did Jesus just tell him a few verses ago? Flesh and blood, in other words, men, has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And he turns around and says, you're mindful of things of men, not of the things of God. What happened? Peter's emotions. His emotions blinded him to see what Jesus was talking about. A lot of times emotions are still blinding us when it comes to the things of the Lord. When it, be, when it comes to what, he, what he's trying to do in our lives, we don't see it. We, 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 we're so emotional, and we think, oh, that, that, that can't be true. I feel this way, so that's not going to happen. And we're blinded by our emotions. Then Jesus says, after he rebuked Peter, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. A cross is something you die on. A cross is something that you give yourself up to. That's what Jesus did. He died on the cross. And he says, deny yourself. If you, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. And what does that mean? You got to deny everything about yourself and be esteemed in who Jesus is in you. You see, sometimes I give Peter and the disciples a hard time, right? Because it's like, come on, Peter, what are you doing? Of course, that's what he has to do. He's Jesus. 
But what we have to remember, they didn't have this. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have anything that we have today. They might have had Jesus walking and talking in the flesh. But let me tell you, we have a better Jesus right now. Because Jesus is not limited to Visalia. He's not limited to a building. He's everywhere. We have a better Jesus than Peter and the disciples did. Same. Same Jesus. But better. Because he's everywhere now. So Peter and the disciples, they didn't have what we have. They didn't have the tools we have to know who Jesus is. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them, guiding them, leading them in the truth in all things. So we got to give Peter a little break here, right? But first, let's go to Mark chapter 9. And let's just see what else Peter does. So Mark chapter 9 happens right after Jesus and Peter get into this little scuff, okay? Right after Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then he says, far be it from me, Lord, this will not happen to you. And then Jesus rebukes them, and all these things happen. Then it picks up in Mark chapter 9, literally right afterwards, okay? So Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8, he says this, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain apart by themselves. So this was six days after that event happened. But in scripture, it's a story after story, right after the other. So six days after this revelation that Peter has of who Jesus is, Jesus takes him and James and John to a mountain and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appear, appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So get this picture into your mind right now. Jesus and Peter and James and John are all on this mountain. And Jesus goes a little bit away from them, and he starts to glow, literally glow. Now, you've seen people glow before, right? After their wedding night, you see them after the night, they're glowing. Uh-uh. <laughs> Not compared to Jesus. They're dull compared to Jesus. He was literally glowing like a vibrant light. You can never clean your clothes as white as his clothes were. That's how powerful he was glowing. And I mean, I, I don't really think Jesus wore white clothes. I think he wore like tan robes like everyone else. And if they were white, then they got tan because of the dirt and the dust. He was glowing, white, pure white. They didn't have no bleach back then. They didn't have Mr. Clean. Completely white. It was so uh, just an amazing picture I get in my head of this. And it's this beautiful experience happening. And then Elijah pops up. Here comes prophet Elijah. And here comes Moses, one of the two greatest men in scripture. 
by far one of the two greatest men in scripture, at least in the Old Testament, appear next to Jesus. So now you have Jesus, the greatest man on scripture in ever, ever. Then you have Moses, one of the greatest people in, in the Old Testament with Elijah. You have the three greats standing, talking, ministering with each other. What a vision. What an appearance. But then here comes Peter. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good. Let me tell you, it is good for us to be here. You're right. It's good. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he did this because he did not know what to say. Because he was afraid. His emotions were just, boom, gone, gone. And he just started talking because he didn't know what to say. How many of you know, when you don't know what to say, the best thing to do is keep it shut? Man, not Peter, not Peter. I love that he said, it is good, yeah. Jesus, it is good that we're here. You've made a good call on this one. It's good we're here. We can build the three tabernacles. I don't know what's going on right now, so I'm just going to say these things so hopefully I look good like I did six days ago. No. He completely screwed up the moment. Completely. He messed up everything. Because then watch this. What happens? Verse 7 says, And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. In other words, Peter, stop talking. You cannot talk in here at the same time. Stop talking. Hear him. And God's voice audibly comes out of a cloud. And this kind of cloud is the same type of glory cloud you see in the Old Testament with Moses. This glory cloud. And God's voice came out. And then it says, suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus. Peter, Peter, Peter. Do you know what could have been recorded in this scripture if Peter would have just been quiet? Who knows? Who knows what we would have heard? Who knows what Jesus and Elijah and Moses would have been saying, and, and Mark recorded it in the scripture. But no, because Peter let his emotions ruin it. You know, sometimes God's doing this in our life. He's doing amazing things, just like this. But then our emotions rile us up, whether they're negative or they're positive, doesn't matter. Our emotions are getting out of control, and we start to say things that we don't mean. We start to do things that we shouldn't do. We start to try to do something because we don't even know what to do in this situation. We're just doing all that we can. We got to fix it. We got to make it right. We got to do something. And we miss it. We miss it every time. God's trying to do this great thing. He's asking us to hear him, just listen but we're too busy getting our hands mixed in it. We're too busy doing our own things with it because we got to figure it out. We got to do it all. And we miss it. We miss what God's trying to do because we're blinded by our emotions. Blinded. 
This isn't the only time Peter has this kind of incident. When Jesus, the night before he was going to be crucified, he's sitting with the disciples, they're partaking of the Holy Communion, then he begins to talk about what's going to happen. Then he says, surely I say to you guys, you'll betray me because it is written. He'll be slain and the sheep will go abroad. The sheep will scatter. They'll run off. And then Peter, he says, nope, not me, God. Not, not me. I want to go to one more scripture. And forgive me, we don't have it on the screens, I don't believe. But there's just one last scripture. And it's in Mark chapter 14, verse 27, all the way to verse 31. And this is the, the story I was telling you about with Jesus and, the, and his disciples and the betrayal. <clears throat> In verse 27, it says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you in Galilee. And Peter said, Even if all are made to stumble, yet not I, I will not stumble. Oh, Jesus I'm here for you. Oh, Jesus, I will not betray you. Oh, Jesus, I am faithfully yours. You will never have to worry about me stumbling. Never. Who's ever said that before? Oh, Lord, I'll follow you with my whole heart. I will never, never watch that again. I'll never say this again. But then Jesus says, in verse 30, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And it says, But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, Lord, I will not deny you. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. You know what happens? You know the story. When the pressure hit, when the persecution came, what did Peter do? He denied him. But Peter's denial didn't start, start when he said, I do not know this man. His denial started the next verse. Where Jesus and his disciples, they went to the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he took Peter and a few other disciples and he told them, stay, stay watch 
Stay out, watch, and pray. Watch and pray. And Jesus, he was going through so much turmoil at this point. He was, the Bible says that he, he was deeply distressed. And he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrow, even to death. Stay here and watch. Imagine Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, looking at you and saying, stay here and watch with me. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. I just need you to do this one thing. Just stay here, watch. Stay here, watch. Jesus goes off and he prays with the Lord and he was dripping blood, the Bible says. He, his pores were leaking blood. And this is when he says, Father, all things are possible, but if you would take this cup away from me, not my will, but what your will be done. And then he came back and he found them sleeping. And, Peter, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not just watch for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Blinded. You're willing. Peter was willing. Lord, I will die with you. I will never deny you. Sometimes it is easier to die for someone than it is to live for someone. How many times have we said, oh, Father, I will go with you to the ends of the earth. I will die for you. If someone put a bullet to my head and said, do you believe in Jesus? I would say yes. I would die for you, Lord. But he's asking, will you live for me? Will you live for me? Will you sow when it looks like you don't have anything? And trust me, will you quit your job and do this for me? Will you live for me? Or are you just willing to die for me? Sometimes it's a lot easier to, to commit to death with Jesus because that's the end. It's over. We know where we're going. Amen? We're going to heaven. But it's a lot harder for us to live with him and sacrifice things because we don't know what's next. We don't know if we can trust him. We don't know if this will really happen. But he's asking us, live with me. Live for me. Don't just die for me. Live for me. And Peter's denial started right here, where Jesus asked him to do one thing, just sit here and watch. Falls asleep. He falls asleep denying Jesus. You see, Peter, I love Peter because his story doesn't end there. After Jesus goes through his crucifixion, after he goes through all the things he went through for you and for me, for everyone, he rises from the dead and Peter and them are fishing out in the sea and Jesus is standing on the shore and he says, throw the nets on the other side and they catch this huge 
net of fish and they instantly realize it's him. And they run off of the boat. The Bible says they take off their clothes and they jump in. And Peter is, is, is going to Jesus and they, they all meet with him one last time and he cooks them a beautiful breakfast of fish and chips. And he asks Peter three times, do you love me? Peter says, of course I do, Lord. He says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks him, do you love me? And every time Peter said, yes, you know more than anything, Lord, I love you. And Peter found redemption. The three times he denied Jesus, Jesus was grateful enough, graceful enough to redeem him three more times. Amen? And God is able to do that for us. He has done that for us. And even when you're walking and you're doing things in life and your emotions are blinding you, you're making decisions based off of emotions versus based off of what God's word says, it's not the end. There is still redemption. There is still Jesus saying, Son and daughter, do you love me? Then follow me. Do you love me? Then come follow. And Jesus is always there with us every single day, every step of the way, guiding us, leading us into all truth because he loves us. Amen? Let me go to one more scripture before I wrap up. If you go to 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, what you don't want to do is be a Peter when it comes to your emotions. Amen. You don't want to act like him. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells um, the church of Ephesus, and he's writing to these Galatians. He's writing to these people, oh, I'm sorry, of, of, of Ephesus, these Ephesians. And they used to be Gentiles. Gentiles are people who were lost. They didn't have Jesus as a covenant. There was no, there, they, there was none of that. They weren't a Jew. They're a Gentile. And we can translate that to a believer and non-believer. So Jews were believers, Gentiles are non-believers, just like how we have it today. And Paul was writing to the other Gentiles who received Jesus after his, his death and resurrection. They received him, but they were still Gentiles. And he tells them, don't be like the other Gentiles. Do not be like the other Gentiles who in the vanity of their minds, the King James says, the new King James says, uh, in the vanity of their minds, they have their understanding darkened, being alienated from God through ignorance and because of the blindness of their hearts. Who they're, they're past feeling, they're being past feeling, and they, they walk around and do things that are just evil. They do things that are just not good. And he says, don't be like them. Be like Jesus. You've learned him. You were taught by Jesus. You were taught the word. You know exactly who he is now. Walk like him. Don't, don't fulfill the desires of your flesh. Fulfill the desires of your spirit. Jesus said it. The, the spirit's willing, right? But the flesh is weak. Don't, don't fulfill the flesh. 
The the flesh is weak, but fulfill the spirit. And so he's telling them, don't walk like them. Don't be like them. Be like Jesus. Put off concerning the former old man, which is corrupt and deceitful. Put it off. Just like Jesus says, deny yourself. If you come follow me, deny yourself. Take up your cross cross and follow me. We need to deny what our flesh and our emotions are trying to tell us when it comes to everything we're experiencing. And I'm sure everyone's aware of what's happening over in Afghanistan. Right now, there are people in fear all over, even in this country. Are they coming here next? Who knows? Are you supposed to be afraid? No. No. And that's what he's telling them. Don't be like them who are blind in their hearts. And the reason why they're blind in their hearts is because they're past feeling. They're gone. They're they're out the door. In other words, they've been so controlled by their emotions, nothing else matters. They're past that. Don't be like that. That's what Paul's telling the church of Ephesus. In the first chapter of Ephesians, he also tells them that he prays for them every day because he hears of their faith. He hears of how good they're doing. And he prays every day that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened so they may see what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints. He prays that, that your eyes would be opened. What's he talking about here? Of course their eyes are open. How can they read this letter? Their eyes were already open. He was talking about something else. And that's where I want to pick up in 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we have the king of, of uh, Syria. The king of Syria says was now making war against Israel. Israel was God's nation, God's people. Nobody messes with Israel. So the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such place. So he's telling them, he's telling them their battle plan. We're going to be here at this time, at this place doing this thing, right? And then it says, the man of God, which was Elisha, sent to the king of Israel saying, beware, don't go over there because the king of Syria and his men are going to come this way. So he's telling Israel, the king of Israel, the game plan of the king of Syria. He's getting all the the secrets out there. And so word gets back to the king of Syria and he asks his servant, he says, show me the traitor. Show me the person who's who's given this information to Israel. I want them now. And his servant says, it's no one. It's no one in our our army. It's no one in, in Syria. It's the man of God, Elisha, who's for Israel. God reveals all these things to him, and he tells the king of Israel. And so the king of Syria says, all right, well, go get this man. I want him. Go get him. And so it says that they all gathered their horses and their chariots and all these people. And they go and surround him. And we pick up here in verse uh, 15. It says, the horses and the chariots were, were around them. And the servant of the man of God, of Elisha, arose early, and he went out, and there was an army 
surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what do we do? There's so many people. What do we do? He's afraid. He's worried. He doesn't know what's going to happen. His emotions, they're going crazy at this point. What's happening? But then, Elisha, he answers and says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The servant didn't see things clearly. His emotions were blinding him from spiritual realities. Spiritual realities. And this, my friends, is what we need to pray. Father, open my eyes, Lord, so I may see. Open my eyes, Lord, so I can see you clearly. It starts in our hearts. It starts in our hearts. Reality is not the only reality we got right now. What you see, what you hear, what you touch, what you smell, what you, what you taste, all of those are not the only things that's real. We got a spiritual reality. We have a spiritual realm that we're living in. And when we let our emotions, which are physical, all physical, emotions are only physical. They're in our physical body. When we let our emotions control us, and when we're afraid, oh my goodness, this is happening against me. This is doing this. This person's out to get me. War is happening over across the sea. When you let fear dictate your entire life, you're blinding yourself to what's really happening right there. And his eyes were open, and he saw all the horses, all the chariots. He saw the angelic army, the angelic army camped around them, every single one of them. More that are with us than there are with them. Amen? Do you believe that? No matter what you're going through, no matter what circumstance you go through, no matter what trial you're facing, no matter what it is, whatever hardship it is, there's more with you. What does that mean? There's more angels. There's more provision. There's more health. There's more joy. There's more peace. There's more everything God has for you. There's more on your side than there is from what the devil's trying to do to you. Amen? And we got to quit letting our emotions tell us different. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. And God, I pray right now that the eyes of every person's understanding in this room, those who are watching online, 
anyone listening to my voice, I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they may see what is your will for them. They may see what is their calling on their lives that you've given them. They may see you more clearly in every single aspect of their life, every area of their life, what you've said about their health, what you've said about their prosperity, what you've said about their relationships, what you've said about their joy, what you've said about their peace. I pray that they see all of it, Lord. I pray that they see every good thing that you have for them, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Somebody said, Lord God, open my eyes. Open my eyes so I may see you clearly. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we all stand as we get dismissed this morning? God is good. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, I'm so glad you guys are here with us this morning. Again, if you are new, please fill out a Connect card. We would love to get one of these into your hands. Um, if you were new at one point and you haven't uh, gotten a book, we would love to give you one also as well. But you guys are a blessing to all of us, and we are here for you. Most importantly, we're here for you. All glory goes to God, and, and uh, we're so glad that you're here with us. So I bless all of you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. I pray you live victorious, abundant lives. I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so you may know the hope of your calling, the riches of his glory, and the inheritance of his saints. Continue living in the victory, and until we see you again, remember you're always welcome here in our family of faith. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Rooted Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more from Matthew and Stephanie, subscribe to this podcast and visit our website. From there, you will be able to contact us directly, access our live Bible study archives, and so much more. You can also find out how to partner with us in sharing the gospel all across the world. Be blessed today, continue living in the victory, and remember that you are always welcome here in our family of faith.